Paul writes, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Well, I wonder if you can think for a moment of someone you consider to be a hero, someone you look up to, someone you admire. Uh, maybe it's someone who's alive today, someone who is well known, who has achieved great things. Or maybe it's a historical figure. Uh, there are some wonderful biographies of historical figures uh, that can be a really inspiring read. Or, or maybe it's somebody that, that nobody else would be particularly aware of. Maybe a family member uh, or a friend who, who has left a lasting impression on your life. For me, uh, one of my heroes was my dad. It will be 14 years this year since he, he went to be with the Lord, uh, but his life and his legacy, they still shape me today. Uh, and one of the special gifts that my dad gave me when I was about 10 years old was the gift of a hero. Uh, my two brothers and I were, uh, were and, they, and still are, football crazy. And at the time, there were very few Christian footballers uh, for us to look up to. And so my dad decided to write one into our lives. He created the character of Doug Mackay, a young Christian footballer who played for the fictional Scottish Premier League club, Dalkirk Albion, who played their home games at Brickwell Stadium. Our local team at the time was Falkirk, who played their home games at Brockville Stadium. Uh, but that was where the similarities ended. You see, in my dad's story, Dalkirk qualified for European competition, something that is very much in the realms of fiction when it comes to Falkirk. Uh, but that was where things got interesting. At the time that my, my dad wrote his story in the late 1980s, much of Eastern Europe was described as being behind the Iron Curtain. And in those countries, behind the curtain, it was very dangerous to be a Christian and to own a Bible. Christians often ended up in prison if they were caught. And the story that my dad wrote is all about Doug's adventures as he dodges bullets and secret police while smuggling Bibles into various parts of Eastern Europe, all the while starring in midfield for Dalkirk as they progressed through the rounds of the competition. Uh, somehow they kept drawing teams from Eastern Europe. Uh, Dad's story uh, ended up being turned into a book called Goal Behind the Curtain. 
And occasionally I'll meet someone who, who tells me that after reading the book, Doug Mackay became one of their heroes as well. In the Christian life, having heroes, remembering inspirational figures who have lasted the course, it can be a great help to us as we look to live faithful lives. And certainly in the author of, of 2 Timothy, Paul, we have a heroic figure who Timothy could look up to. Uh, last time we were in 2 Timothy, we saw Paul warn Timothy against the dangers of following the route of the false teachers, a route that would lead to ruin. And in the verses that we're looking at today, we see Paul contrast that, that warning by calling Timothy to remember, to remember what faithful ministry looks like. And he does that by reminding them of his own ministry, a ministry that Timothy clearly knew intimately. If you look with me at verse 10, Paul writes, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. So Paul reminds Timothy of their close connection. That phrase, you have followed, it conveys the closeness of Paul and Timothy's relationship. We've seen it already how Paul was Timothy's father in the faith. Timothy had learned from Paul. He had been discipled by him. He had served alongside him on various missionary journeys. Paul was Obi-Wan to Timothy's Luke Skywalker. This was a master-disciple relationship. If anyone could testify to the details of Paul's ministry and character, it was Timothy. And so Paul reminds Timothy of how different his ministry was to that of the false teachers. He begins by reminding Timothy of his teaching. Now we've already seen in chapter 2 verse 8 of this letter, Paul's call for Timothy to remember Jesus Christ who was risen from the dead. Paul was someone who preached the gospel. He hadn't swerved from the truth for an easier life. He hadn't done what the false teachers had done. And that was a message, that, the message of the gospel that Paul was committed to sharing with as many people as possible. As Timothy remembered Paul's conduct, his aim in life, he would immediately be able to recall all that Paul had done on his missionary journeys as he unashamedly preached the gospel and planted churches, and then wrote to those churches, teaching them and encouraging them in their faith. And despite all sorts of opposition, Paul had remained faithful to the task. He hadn't given up. He had kept going. And here he was, writing this letter towards the end of his life, looking back on a life of faith a life where he had pursued the purposes of God. It's an amazing example for Timothy to be able to follow. You know, there have been lots and lots of challenges over the past couple of years. Uh, but for me, one of the great encouragements has been the increasing amount of gray hair that has started to appear in our church family. It's been such a blessing to be joined by elder brothers and sisters who can look back on their lives and testify to God's sustaining grace through the ups 
and the downs, who are still passionate for God's glory and long to see God's purposes worked out in the life of his church. And their energy and their enthusiasm and their commitment has been both an, a challenge and an encouragement to me. For those of us who are of a younger generation, we would do well to spend time with them, learning from them, being inspired by them. When the temptation was there to cave in, to, to pack up and to go home, to go for the easy option like the false teachers, Timothy could remember Paul's ministry and be inspired by one who had gone before him and was still faithfully serving Christ. But Timothy didn't just have the example of Paul's ministry endeavors, he could also remember Paul's character. See, ministry, it's not just about outward activity, it's also about our inward character. And that's what Paul reminds Timothy of in verse 10. He highlights character qualities, his patience, his love, his steadfastness. Paul was someone who was patient with people. He'd been in ministry long enough to know the bitter pain of conflict and disappointment. After all, here he was. He was writing from prison, abandoned by those who had once called him a friend and who were now too ashamed to have anything to do with him. But he knew that God was the one who would judge justly in all things. That it wasn't for him to, to hold on to bitterness, but to leave it in the hands of his heavenly Father. And that freed him to respond in love, to patiently endure suffering. We were thinking about this the other week when we looked at chapter 2, that in ministry and in the Christian life in general, character and competence, they go together. That giftedness in, in preaching or, or leading, it cannot be at the expense of patience and love. That what's preached needs to be lived out. And Timothy had seen that firsthand in Paul. He didn't just talk the talk, he walked the walk. He was someone who was patient, someone who loved, and he was someone who had endured. Paul knew what it was to be discouraged. He knew what it was to experience the pain of loneliness and isolation. In verse 16 of chapter 4, we read some, some really sad words towards the end of the letter, as he remembers, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. You know, how hard that must have been for him. And yet here he was, a prisoner for the gospel, and yet still enduring in the midst of suffering. How was that possible? Well, because in the midst of his loneliness and isolation, God never left him. We read in verse 17 of chapter 4, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Paul had the experience of enduring suffering. And it was as he endured suffering that he experienced the empowering presence 
of God's Spirit, enabling him to endure. Chris Green writes, it is only in the face of such bewilderment and loneliness that real faith and courage has any meaning. The way to build endurance is by enduring. And the way to learn to endure is if God puts you through the fire over and again. As Timothy faced hostility and discouragement, as he wondered if it was all worth it or how he could keep on going, he could look to his mentor, to his hero, and he could remember how he endured his various trials in the strength that God had given him. And he could remember that the God who had strengthened Paul to endure is the same God who would strengthen him. And Christian, that is true for you as well. You know, perhaps you are going through a time of loneliness and discouragement, a time where perhaps you feel weaker than, than you have ever felt, where you are wondering where you're going to find the strength to keep on going. Well, can I encourage you today that the God of Paul and Timothy, he hasn't changed. He is our God. He's the God who gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. The prophet Isaiah declares that those who hope in the Lord shall renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So look to him. Hope in him. Trust him to give you the strength you need to endure. A strength that is not your own. He has faithfully done that for his people throughout history. And he will not see you short. His promises are sure. He is a God who delivers his people and equips his people to endure. And Paul could testify to that in his own life. Paul had endured loneliness, he'd endured isolation, but he'd also endured incredible persecution from which the Lord had rescued him. Look with me at verse 11. Paul writes, You, however, have followed my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. So Paul, he, he references incidents that would have been well known to Timothy. Uh, uh, perhaps particularly the reference to what happened at Lystra, which was Timothy's hometown. Uh, we read about that incident in Acts chapter 14, where Paul was publicly stoned by a crowd and then left for dead. A young Timothy may have been there to, to witness the rocks raining down on Paul's head. He may have remembered seeing Paul lying there in a pool of his own blood. And yet even something as brutal and shameful as a public stoning, it wasn't enough to finish off Paul. After the crowd departed, leaving Paul for dead... God rescued him, and Paul carried on with his missionary journey, preaching elsewhere. Timothy had seen Paul suffer. 
but he'd also seen God rescue him. And Paul could testify to the fact that that was something that God had done again and again and again. That God had always rescued him. And that one day he would experience the greatest rescue of all, the final rescue in death. That the risen Jesus, who he had faithfully preached, would raise him to life and he would go to be with him forever. That's why Paul could write to the church in Corinth, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? In persecution, God had always rescued Paul. What a reassurance that must have been for Timothy as he read the next words of this letter. As Paul writes in verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus, will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So Paul returns to the, this recurring theme that we've seen through this letter, that those who are faithful to Jesus can expect suffering. What Timothy was enduring, it wasn't abnormal. Persecution was not a reason to give up, to pack up, and to go home. He was experiencing what Paul had experienced and what faithful Christians down the centuries and across the world have experienced. Persecution for their faith. Now, when my dad wrote his book about Doug Mackay smuggling Bibles behind Iron Curtain, as a 10-year-old boy living at a time when faithful Christians were being imprisoned and tortured in Europe, that was the context. I was 10, and that was happening on this continent. I remember around that time writing letters to Christians in prison in some of those countries. And it was explained to me that before those letters would ever reach the hands of those that I was writing to, prison guards would take them and open them and read them first and decide whether or not to pass them on. That was just a little over 30 years ago in Europe. With the fall of the Berlin Wall came freedom in Europe for, for many Christians to live without fear of imprisonment for their faith. But today, there are still many parts of the world where Christians are suffering terrible persecution. And while we might not experience persecution that leaves us fearing for our lives, if we are faithful to Jesus in our culture, then sooner or later, that will lead to pressure. Pressure to keep quiet pressure to conform, pressure to alter our beliefs to bring them more in line with what's acceptable in our society. And if we refuse to do that, then we can expect things to get uncomfortable. We might lose friends. We might be misunderstood. We might be vilified on social media. We might even be at risk of losing our jobs. And that's why it's so important for us to hear Paul's words here, that suffering for being faithful to Jesus is normal. That's not easy to hear. And suffering persecution certainly isn't easy to endure. But the reminder of this passage is that we do not suffer alone. God is the one 
who strengthens his people in the midst of their suffering. And he is the one who ultimately delivers us. And as we remember that, we can take a stand knowing that we're not alone and that in the end, God always wins. And that is seen ultimately in the suffering and victory of our ultimate hero. You see, even the, even the best earthly heroes will let us down. And that's because those that we look up to at the end of the day, however great they are, they're just sinful human beings like us. But there is one that we can look to, one who will never let us down, one who was completely sinless, one who endured the worst suffering and persecution when he chose to go to his death on the cross, bearing the penalty for sin for people like you and me. One who suffered, but who rose to life again, defeating death. And it's because Jesus did that, that anyone who trusts in him can know forgiveness and eternal life. They can know that Jesus is more than just the ultimate example of a hero. He's the one who rescued us. He's the one who empowers us by his spirit to endure whatever it is we might have to face. He's the one who makes our suffering and our persecution worth it, knowing that because he rose to life again, whatever suffering we endure will one day give way to glory when we are raised to life with him. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you that you are the God who rescues, the God who delivers, the God who empowers your people to endure in the midst of suffering. We thank you for examples like Paul, who endured to the end. We thank you for examples that we have seen in our own lives, perhaps, of, of faithful Christians who have endured in the midst of difficult times. And today, Lord God, we want to lift up uh, your church in parts of the world uh, where people are facing intense persecution. Lord, they are our family. And so we pray for our brothers and sisters who are facing hostility, who are facing imprisonment, who are facing even death for your name. We pray that you would strengthen them to endure in the midst of all these things. And we pray for our own situation, Lord God, at a time in our society where maybe we feel under pressure to conform or to stay quiet or to, 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 to just go along with, with things that we know are contrary to your will and your word. Lord, would you give us confidence in your promises that you promise to deliver your people, you promise to empower your people. Lord, would we trust in those things? And Lord God, we thank you for the example that we have in Christ who has gone before us, who is willing to suffer in our place that we might know forgiveness and eternal life. And we pray that as we come to this table now to take bread and wine, that you would remind us afresh, that you would strengthen us by your spirit as we remember him. We pray these things in his name. Amen.